I don't know if you're like me, but if you've ever had the opportunity, dare I say, the privilege of being in an automobile or a boat or some type of motorized vehicle and the engine stops and you've been left on the side of the road or you've been left in the middle of a body of water, that's a, no pun intended, but that's a sinking feeling, is it not? Well, you just sit there and you're going, then all of a sudden you've lost all power. Well, what we're talking about today is power. And I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life, rather seasons in my life, to where I felt like that I was hitting on all cylinders. And then there are other days where, quite frankly, I feel like there was no power at all. But as we look at our lives today, I don't know where you might be this morning. Maybe you're fine. And maybe you're here to encourage us. But I'm willing to bet that there's somebody in here that feels like their power is waning. And that they feel like sometimes their life or the bills or the problems are a little bit bigger than they can handle. If you're in that position this morning, or if if you even think as a Christian that this is a daunting task to, to share the gospel in a day like today then I want to assure you that there is help and there is power on the way. There is only one power. Just like we learned last week, there's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. There is only one power sufficient enough to help us live a godly life here on earth. Because as a matter of fact, I want you to know, to live a perfect life apart from Christ is not possible, so quit trying it. Stop trying to be good enough, because you and me, we will never be good enough for God. That is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And in a world that respects power, it is crucial that we call on the right one. We need a power that will add meaning to our lives, not steal it. We need a power that leads to heavenly, eternal life. Not just death and whatever we experience here on earth. We need a power that brings hope in a hopeless world. So, how do we do that? What is that power? Well, we're going to learn about that today in scriptures. If you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to John 14, starting with verse 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 15 to start with. And remember, I I want to take just a moment, if you'll allow me, to set the stage. Remember, Jesus is about to go to the cross. Jesus, in his human form, is about to leave this earth. And here he looks into the eyes of his disciples and his followers. And he knows that for them, their understanding of what the kingdom is and what it really is, is going to be stretched in the next few days. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm visiting with family and friends, it seems like, you know, when, when you really enjoy being with them and it's like, like you're on a vacation and, and it seems like time flies by when you're having fun. And when you're with people you love and, and the closer it gets to you having to pack your bags and to leave and to not know when you'll see them again, that's tough, isn't it? It's tough being away from the people you love. It's tough 
not being able to be there for someone you love when they need you. Jesus knew that because he was about to leave his disciples. And we see in verses 12 through 15, he's talking about praying in his name. He says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Our first point we see is the phrase, why pray when we can worry? That seems to be the mantra of the day, doesn't it? Oh, I am, preacher. I know you're going to say pray about it, but, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've, what's led up to this. I, I can't help but worry. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can. I can too. Too many times we want to say, oh, I'll pray about it, but still, we never fully turn it over to God. I want to show you a picture of a sweet lady. Her name is Corey Tim Boone. She looks like some of you here. Very sweet lady. Just to look at her, you'd see her at the grocery store. You wouldn't think anything about it. But that sweet lady, she was born a Dutch Christian who, along with her father and other family members, helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. She was imprisoned for her actions, yet committed her entire life to sharing the story of Jesus Christ. It is untold how many lives she had saved from those camps. It's untold how many lives that she and her family saved from the fires of hell because she told them about Jesus Christ. In her home, you can go see it today if you like. We could all load up in a plane and go over to Holland. It's now a museum where you can see the small area behind the false wall in her bedroom where she would hide the people safely from the Nazis. But talking about worry, if anybody would know what it means to be anxious or know what it means to be worried is is they're hiding people in their house and the Nazis are coming in and searching for people. I'm sure she knows what worrying is, don't you? Well, this is what she said about it. She said, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. How profound that woman is saying that if we are worrying, we are carrying the weight of two days instead of one. And by, carry, by worrying and wondering and, and denying the power that has been given to us through Jesus Christ, We are losing the joy of living today. Christian, let me ask you something. Have you lost the joy of living for God today? Has something come into your life and stolen that joy? And right now you're thinking in your head, oh, preacher, you just need to be quiet. You don't know my situation. I don't. But God does. And we see here that sometimes we as good God-feared Christians would rather worry instead of fully giving it to God and getting letting his power help us through that. You see, Jesus knew this fact. And he said that, this very fact in the first part of chapter 14, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Church, I would say that to you today. 
don't let your heart be troubled today. The only way that they could find comfort when he leaves, the only way that they can find strength, the disciples that is, for their journey when he leaves is through something we call prayer. And he tells them this. For example, he says, I am going away, but you can talk to me any time through prayer. He says the same thing today. I'm reminded of, of so many times you'll see in movies or stories to where a, an adult or a father or a mother will go away and they'll say to the child, just look at this item, whatever it might be. It might be a snowball glass or it might be a teddy bear or something. Say, so just look at this and you can, I'll be with you anywhere. Well, that's cute, but it's not biblically accurate. What Jesus is saying here is that even though my body is gone, when you pray, I am with you. So what does that mean to you today in this pew that you're sitting in? That means when you pray, you bow the ear of Jesus himself. I don't know if that's mind-blowing for you. Maybe you've been in church so long you've heard it that you've You've lost the, the all of that. But for me, even as many years as I've been in the ministry, I still cannot believe that the same Jesus that died on the cross and rose from my sins, the same Jesus that is reigning in heaven and that is going to come and get me back, will listen to me when I'm whining about what's happening in my life. But He does. People say, well, Jesus isn't walking among us. Well, physically, He's not. But... We see in just a moment how he is with us. But as we look at verses 12 through 15, we see, number one, that we must pray with belief. He says, anyone who believes in me, we have to pray with belief. What does that mean? We have to pray with faith. We need to believe that God hears our prayers. We need to believe that God will answer our prayers. And we need to believe that however God answers our prayers, it will be the way that is best for us. The problem is is when God doesn't answer our prayers in the time that we've allotted or in the way that we have specified, we think that he hasn't answered it when actually he already has. When we talk about belief in prayer, I'll put a, a saying up there. It says, believing that prayer works is not an act of knowing or repeating words. I mean, we, we know that there are, when people can recite the Lord's Prayer, we know that there are creeds from different denominations. We know that, that there are prayers that while meaningful in their own right, the power is not in the words. The power is not knowing the words. Believing in prayer is a gut level act of faith. Of knowing when I leave it at the Lord's feet that it will stay there. Of letting tomorrow worry about tomorrow. But in today, it doesn't take the, the pain away. It doesn't take the anxiety away. But there is just that peace and that rest to know God's got it. It's kind of like the, the little kid that has a, a wagon wheel that's broke on his wagon and he takes it to the toy maker to say, here, would you please fix this? And when the toy maker takes it, the kid starts to pull back the wagon because they don't want to trust the toy maker to fix it. Folks, when we pray, we must believe. And we believe we must leave it at his feet. He also says here that you are going to do greater works. Imagine that. Jesus is leaving and you're going to do greater works? Well, for example, Peter preached one sermon 
where 3,000 accepted Christ as Savior in one day. That is amazing. Speaking of that, uh, I had the privilege of going to the, the Billy Graham Library with our senior adults this past week. And I'm going to tell you, no matter what age you are, you need to go to that thing. It is amazing. It is awe-inspiring. You would think that it pays tribute to Billy Graham, but it doesn't. It talks about a lot of things he did, but when you walk away from that place, you think, God is good. And he, Jesus used him in a mighty way. When it says that you will do greater things, I think Billy Graham is definitely a testimony to that. Greater things for some of you might be the fact that you put on clothes and came to church this morning because your body didn't want to. For some of you, greater things is you took the trouble of getting your family ready or that you could have been doing something else. Hey, football season has started today. Amen? Oh, come on. Can I get an amen? There's two seasons. Football season and not football season. There's so many people that they got their snacks and their drinks and their chips and their their adult beverages and all of these things ready to go for the game to start the season. But yet for some reason you chose to come to church. I pray that God will bless you for that because you can do greater things through Jesus. We also see that we must pray in Jesus' name. For example, try this with me. This is a little group exercise, okay? Simon says, raise your right hand. Now raise your left hand. Everybody that raised your left hand, you're out. Simon didn't say. All right, now put your hands down. Okay, everybody else that put your hands down, you're out. The only one left is Andrea. You win. What is the deal with Simon? Who is this guy? How does he have the power to tell us when we can move and when we can't move? I don't understand it. The game we learned as children placed all the power in his name. But folks, let me tell you something. Saying the name Simon is nothing like saying the name Jesus Christ. Because when you say the name Jesus Christ, it is a guarantee that Jesus hears your prayer and that he will work on your behalf. The name of Jesus, here's your prayer guarantee. Put it on a box. Write it down. Take it to the bank. When we pray in Jesus' name, he guarantees that our will, our hopes, and our faith will be placed where it belongs, squarely on his shoulders. Think about a guarantee, folks. If, if we go out and buy a doodad and it doesn't work and it's got a guarantee, we're going to take it back to the store and the store has to honor the guarantee, right? Whose burden is it to honor it? Is it the customer? It's the store. Jesus is boldly saying, pray in my name, and I'll be the guarantee. That's huge. That's huge. Is that when we pray, Jesus says, I got this. The second thing we see is that Christians are never alone. Verses 16 through 18 say, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because he doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him, 
because he remains with you and will be in you, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. There's two functions of the Holy Spirit that we see here. We, this is, remember, when we talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, there is no one verse that mentions all three of them, but as you take the verses and, and put them side by side together, you see a picture of the Trinity. God was creator. He was with Adam and Eve in the garden. We see that after sin, we were separated from God, so God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us, to give us an example, to give us a, a, a mold to follow. And then he left, and then finally now we have the Holy Spirit that is with us. And the first thing, the first function of the Holy Spirit is, according to this passage, he is a comforter. Now, just real, real quick, when I say comfort, many of you are thinking like, I know some of you are children, maybe you've ever, maybe you've ever bruised your knee and you want to get a Band-Aid, right? Band-Aids cover everything. That and when mom puts a little spit on her, her napkin and wipes something, that, that, fi- that fixes everything too, right? A mama spit will fix anything. Uh, that's like I went to the, the doctor the other day and she said she was taking blood. Woo, she was taking blood. And, and so when she finished, she said, you want a Band-Aid? I said, only if you have Scooby-Doo ones. She said, we don't have Scooby-Doo band-aids. I said, well, I don't want one then. But when we think of comfort, whether it be a Scooby-Doo band-aid, or whether it be something mom used to do to, to, to help you feel better, or whether it be a treatment or a medicine or things, that, we think of comfort as a soothing, as a uh, taking away pain, right? Well, biblically, comfort actually means with Strength. So if you want to look at the true meaning of comfort, true comfort, true biblical comfort, does not mean the removal or smoothing of tough situations, but the strength to endure everything life throws at us. What he's telling the disciples, and what he's telling you and I, he's saying that your road that you're going to have to hoe is going to be tough, but I will be your strength. I will be the, the power under your legs. I will be the one that will go before you. It's not on you. It's on me. Jesus is, a, is telling the disciples that when the days get darker, the Holy Spirit will give you strength to endure. How have you endured what you've had to go through in life to be here today as Christians? The Holy Spirit. When you hear the Scripture read, when it comes alive to you in your mind and you understand what it's saying, that is the Holy Spirit. When you were drawn to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that is the Holy Spirit. And what will get you through what you're going through now is the Holy Spirit for those that know Jesus Christ. But too many people want the Holy Spirit to be kind of like an anesthetic to to make them numb, to be able just to, to get through life. But that's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit doesn't remove us from trouble, but gives us the strength to withstand it. Also, we see the Spirit of truth. Folks, I want you to understand, the same Spirit that inspired the writing of the Word of God is the same Spirit that whispers the truth of it in your ears when you read it. 
The same Spirit that led those men to write these words is the same one that is your translator. Amen? Anytime we read the Bible and understand it, it is due to the work of the Holy Spirit. And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? The only way we receive the Holy Spirit is through faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, here's the thing. The world will never, ever be able to disprove, measure, or contain the work of the Holy Spirit. Quite simply, you cannot put God in a box. And that's what drives scientists crazy. But a fool says, I am a self-made man or woman. But a wise person says, I am made by God, saved by His Son, and led by His Spirit. Finally, we see that those who love God will find Him. Those that love God will find Him. Let's look at verses 19 through 24. He says, In a little while the world will see me no longer, but you will see me, because I live. You will live too. In that day you will know that I am my Father, and that you are in me, and I am you. The one who has me has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but from the Father who sent me. Now there's a lot of back and forth in that passage with the wordings and the shift of emphasis between Jesus and between God and between our responsibility to love and obey. But what we see in verses 18 through 20, you will never be alone. The disciples were afraid that they would be a laughing stock because they had talked all this big game about Jesus being the king and his kingdom that is coming. And when he leaves, it's going to be like everybody can sit around and say, Aha! I told you so. told you he was a fake. I told you that he was just a deranged mystic that thought that he was going to be some kind of king. And they thought that for about three days until he arose. Amen. His kingdom is coming, but they were afraid that people would not take them seriously. But the disciples were afraid. But he told them that he would be with them always. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Once again, human understanding and worldly expectations cannot put Jesus in a box. In verse 21, we see that your actions will show love. Jesus and God are delighted when you show love to them. Our action of trust is the greatest love expression that we can give to God. If you, if you say, oh, preacher, I love God. I'm in church today. Let me ask you something. Do your action show it? Does your transaction ledger on your checkbook show it? Does your time calendar show it? Does the anxiety and the drama within your life, does it show that you love God? God says, if you love me, it will be proven by your actions. What does that mean? Well, for those of you that had to raise children or you are children yourself, for example, when a child does what their parents ask them to do, clean your room, come in before curfew, 
When, when a child does these things, the parent goes, oh, they actually did what I said without fighting about it. They must love me. Parents, am I right? Does that show love when, when a child respects what you ask them to do? Okay. Or how about this? You're talking with one of your friends who's like, oh, your son or daughter, they came the other day and they were such gentlemen and ladies and they just, they have great manners. Anything I did, ask them to do, they did. You as a parent go, oh, yeah. My baby. I raised them right. But as a parent, you're thinking, what greater compliment can somebody give me? I want you to understand something. When you wear the name Christian in your life, when it's tattooed on the inside of your heart, and you say, I love God, you tell people you love God, your t-shirts say you love God, your music collection says you love God, your church attendance says you love God. But if you are doing no actions supporting that or showing that, he doesn't see it. He also told them, he said in verses 22 through 24, my words are my father's words. If you want to know God, read what's written in red in your Bible. That is God speaking to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And Judas asked the question, and Jesus simply repeats his same answer. In other words, he's saying, I've already told you the answer. So in closing, last week, we learned that there is only one way to God. Today we learned there is only one source of power that aids us in living the life God has created us for. Are you needing peace today? Are you needing power today? Has your life gotten ahead of God? Just let me say this. Seek Jesus and you will find him. I know a majority of the people in here at some point, have prayed to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. But let me ask you something. Is it making a difference? If it's not, you are doing something that's called in the Bible grieving the Holy Spirit. When Christians live as what they call carnal Christians, to where they wear the name, but they still do all the sin, that's a dangerous place to be. If you want power today, if you are a non-believer and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, there is no politician, there is no power, there is no program that will give you the meaning of life that the Holy Spirit can. And how do you get the Holy Spirit? It's by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you are a Christian today and you are not feeling like you are where you need to be with the Lord, quit grieving the Holy Spirit. If you love Him, do things that show that. Maybe it's restore a relationship, offer forgiveness, work in a ministry, do something for the Lord. However He leads, I pray that you act. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Word. And I thank You, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit has given the power today for us to understand Your Word now, Lord, if you're moving in someone's life, would they please come forward? We'll pray with them. We'll counsel with them. 
if they want to know you as their Savior and Lord and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Come to the altar and pray. This invitation time is for you, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?